0: And now remain standing for the gospel lesson as it comes to us from the New Testament book of John, the 7th chapter, verses 37 and 38. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing, he cried out, Let all who are thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. For as the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's the festival of tabernacles or the festival of booths. It's one of three great feasts, three great festivals celebrated every year in the Jewish faith. It's celebrated in the fall and those who participate... Uh, create makeshift shelters outside of their homes, where they eat, where some even sleep, it reminds those who participate in the feast, in the festival, of the time that their ancestors wandered in the wilderness and God protected them. God sheltered them. This festival takes place in the fallen on the last day of the festival, there is a procession from the temple in Jerusalem that's led by the priests. The group processes from the temple to the pool of Siloam, where they gather water and then bring that water back to the temple, and the priests pour the water out on the altar. Now, you should know that in the Middle East, most years... It does not rain from April through September. This is a very dry, a very parched, a very brown land. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I thought you might be able to. The priests pour the water out on the altar. And as the water is poured, prayers are prayed. Those prayers include a prayer for rain and a prayer for the resurrection of the dead. So water is on everyone's mind and new life is on everyone's mind. This is the context where Jesus stands up in the midst of all this hubbub, in the midst of all this chaos, and cries out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. For as the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. This was a thirsty crowd. And I think that we know what it is to be thirsty, what it is to be dry, what it is to be parched, what it is to want rain, We also know what it is to be spiritually thirsty, to be dry in our souls, to want more, to not be completely satisfied with life, but to be a bit dissatisfied with life, to know that if the opportunity presented itself, we would be able to soak up more. The problem as I see it, though, is that while I know that I'm thirsty, so often I don't have a good focus on the solution to that thirst. I call my solutions that I come up with each day my if onlys. If only, if only I could go back to school and get another degree, then I could answer the really tough questions. If only. If only my children could speak other languages, then they might know the truth about the global village, the world that surrounds us. If only, if only I didn't speak so freely in groups, express my opinion so openly, then maybe I wouldn't step on other people's toes so often. If only... If only we had a little bit more money, then I could get those things I really want, things that would make me happy. If only I could move away from that person. Oh, you know the one, the one who's always trying to tell me what to do to control my life? If only I could move away from them, or better yet, if they could move away from me, then I'd be a more peaceful person. I seem to have many solutions Many if-onlys every day, but they don't seem to satisfy. Our youngest is two years old now. About three years ago, when we found out that we were pregnant, my husband decided that it would be really great to surprise our two oldest children with the big news. And so he was able to find uh, two little bracelets that each had the words Big Sister printed on them. He wrapped them up real nicely. And then when the four of us were together, he made his presentation. He had our oldest, who was eight at the time, open her bracelet first. And she loved it. Oh, she thought it was just fitting because really she was and always will be the Big Sister. So she put that bracelet right on. Our younger daughter, who was five at the time, opened her bracelet and was confused. But really, this is what my husband wanted. He wanted to create a space where he could drop the big news. She said, there's some kind of mix-up. I'm not the big sister. But Keith said to Alice, you are the big sister now because mommy's going to have a baby. And there were tears tears of joy our oldest daughter was so excited but our youngest daughter as she cried said no this is not what i want i had a dream about this and it was like a nightmare (laughs) i wish i had videotaped it (laughs) we could have won america's funniest home video that year last week i came home after several hours of being away from my family. It was last Sunday afternoon. I came into the living room to scoop up the baby who is now two years old. And he looked right past me and ran right past me yelling, Alice, Alice, because he had something to show her. From my perspective, and I think from hers too, he was just what she needed. He does love his big sister. It wasn't too long ago that Sprites coined the phrase, Obey your thirst. And I think that's true. I think we need to notice our thirst. We need to know that it's there. But more often than not, we do not have a focus on the fix for our thirst. We don't know the right thirst quencher. This summer, we've been in the desert. David and Scott have both Showed us pictures and painted pictures of the Judea wilderness. It's dry. It's dusty. It's it's brown. I have for you a picture today from the Judea wilderness. <laughs> this is in Getty. In Getty sits about midway down the Dead Sea, about a mile west of the Dead Sea, and in there is a spring of water that sustains this waterfall and the lush green plant life that surrounds it this is an oasis in the Judea wilderness in the Judea desert we know that it's been there for thousands of years because first Samuel tells us that King David and his men rested at En Gedi En Getty is an example of living water. Living water is water that flows, water that's in a stream, water that comes from a spring, water that flows freely as opposed to water that's gathered by human hands and placed in a cistern to get stale. There are many places in the Old Testament that talk about living water. Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. The second chapter of Jeremiah, the prophet speaks for God and says, My people have forsaken me, me, the fountain of living water. They dig for themselves cisterns, cracked cisterns that hold no water. And then in Isaiah, the 32nd chapter, Isaiah says, There will be a new king that will rule with righteousness like streams of water in a desert. Living water in the Old Testament is a sign of God's presence. A sign of God's providence. Ezekiel devotes a whole chapter to describing the restoration of Israel after the exile. And as Ezekiel is describing this restoration, Ezekiel says, A river will flow from beneath the temple in Jerusalem. And this river will get deeper and deeper. And it will flow into the Dead Sea. And fruit trees will bloom all around the Dead Sea. And fish will swim in the Dead Sea. And people will be able to fish from the Dead Sea from En Gedi in the west to the easternmost point of the Dead Sea. Jesus stands up in the temple and says, All who are thirsty... Come to me, let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Not a direct quote from the Old Testament that we know of. But N.T. Wright the New Testament scholar says that what Jesus is telling the people who knew the Old Testament scriptures, who had memorized those scriptures, is that the promise that Ezekiel made for the city of Jerusalem and for the temple is now going to be fulfilled in individual lives, in individual hearts. Those deep waters will flow from the believer's heart. And the translation that we used this morning says that those waters come from the believer's heart. But there are some translations that say that those waters come from the believer's belly. Or we might say the believer's gut, that place inside of us where we know right from wrong, where we can judge darkness from light, that deep, deep place inside of our soul. And so the most literal translation might be, from the deepest place of your being will flow these living waters. Medieval scholars used the phrase living water to describe the theological concept of sanctifying grace. And I think they must have used it because it was a more down-to-earth way of referring to a theological idea, that idea that once a Christian believes, God's power sustains them, empowers them, nourishes them for the rest of their lives. On March the 29th, 1948, Niagara Falls fell silent. 500,000 tons of water come over the falls every minute. And in 1948, for 30 hours, the falls were still. People who lived in that area thought it was a sign that this was the end of the world. What happened? Well, heavy winds had set in motion. The ice fields up at Lake Erie and tons of ice jammed, blocked Niagara River near Buffalo. The river was blocked for many hours until the ice shifted. It is possible that something can stop the flow of even the most powerful waters. So my question for you this morning is, what's stopping the flow? What is it that you need to shift so that the living water can flow freely?